Well, good evening, everyone. Well, we're getting a little bit more used to this format. Um, we've all had Easter, probably one of the most unusual Easter's we've had in a long time. Not quite a retreat, but a kind of retreat. Um, in these talks, I don't want to um, necessarily continue um, talking about the coronavirus all the time. I think there's a bit of overload on it. And I just want to get back to basic, um, simple uh, Dharma themes about how we live a Zen life. Um, and to give a title um, to this talk, and I'll explain it to you in a minute, the title is Three Chords and the Truth. Now, over the break, Diana and I um, have actually been uh, watching um, a series of documentaries on um, country music. I've never really known much about country music and I always thought it was a little bit corny. Um, but through watching these documentaries, I, um, we, we learnt to um, appreciate a bit more and get a bit of an understanding of that genre of music. And when you look into the, the roots of it, its roots are quite spiritual and religious. It's based on a lot of um, gospel singing and uh, Negro spiritual background and the blues and bluegrass. And uh, that term, three chords and the truth, is um, a phrase that one um, uh, country music singer um, invented to describe what the nature of country music is. So three chords and the truth, it sort of evokes um, simplicity and also sincerity. Um, and all of the great singers across all different genres, uh, singer-songwriters, are the ones who uh, somehow touch our heart through their sincerity some some human truth that they speak to us which we can all kind of identify and that can can make a great song <clears throat> and one of the things they were talking about in um, country music is there's various styles and something starts off and it starts off very raw there's something very raw in the music which appeals to people. It's not particularly polished or sophisticated. And then as everyone catches on to that style, it becomes more and more polished and more and more polished. And then it's kind of like it's a bit of a cliche. And then someone else has to get back to the rawness again and, and sing from their heart from that raw place. And it gets revived, you know, and then that gets polished, right? And, um, and so, this metaphor of three chords in the and the truth um, is a kind of a metaphor for how we can see Zen practice. When you go back into Buddhism and you read Buddhist texts, you come up with all of these different formulas like the Four Noble Truths and the Three This and the Six That and the Eight This, etc. And and really, it's it's sort of um, how can I say reading those things doesn't really give us a, a sense of what a, a lived Dharma life is. So that's like kind of like marks on a page. If you read all that stuff, even though, even though you knew it really well, it'd be like understanding music theory, but not actually playing music. 
or being able to play music. And a, and a Dharma life is kind of like really more like the playing of the music uh, rather than any intellectual understanding at all, as we know, particularly um, through Zen. But um, Three Chords and the Truth, um, in the, the last of those Four Noble Truths, there is a path that leads to the end of suffering. And, um, and that path, you can break it down into three components, as we've often talked about before in, in previous talks. There is the aspect of um, insight, which is insight into realising that our sense of a separate self is really just a delusion, and that when we see into the true nature of things, we see the intimacy and connectedness of everything. So that's one, that's one chord. Mm -hmm. Another chord is meditation and calm and, and, and being accurately in the present moment as it is through our lives. And the other third one is the precepts, which really are, are guidelines in terms of leading a not just a non-violent life, but a non-egoistic life. Uh, and some guidelines about how we do that. You put all those three chords together as the background, and then there's the lyrics of your life, whatever it might be. You might be someone who was born into a poor family. You might be someone who was born into a rich family. Um, you might have certain skills in a certain area and not in others. You might have had... Um, painful things that happened in your family growing up or you didn't. You might even be on death row, that matter. What, what are the circumstances of our life? Zen practice is a matter of taking those three chords, in a sense, and then applying it to our life. And then, then it becomes not just words on a page, it becomes something that transforms. And when you look at one of the themes, at least in Mahayana Buddhism, it's not a matter of going from suffering to no suffering, you know, from samsara to nirvana. That's really a very simplistic way of looking at it. We, oft, we, we use the terms in Mahayana Buddhism in Zen that we see the, the nirvana in the samsara. We see the samsara in the nirvana which Thich Nhat Hanh's words that we read tonight go straight to that point. And you can see that played out in music. In particular, if any of you are familiar with the blues, right? the blues talk about suffering. Right? That's the essence of it, the rawness of suffering. But you sing the blues and you transform the suffering. It's hard to sing the blues and not have a sense of, of joy or some kind of lightness or whatever about the suffering which is there. So musical genres like country music or the blues actually is a, is a musical way of actually bringing those things together and transforming suffering into something else. That's why we like music. Because that's, that's what it does. That's what all good art does in some way. And what, what is the essence of um, really good performances in people? And I was reflecting it on the other day, maybe that's only my, my jaundiced personal view, but um, I think 
there's a lot of a lot of music and a lot of performance you see these days that are very very skilled at what they do, and it's like they've w- really workshopped how to, you know, combine all of these skills. But what often this is maybe only my own personal view, but sometimes what I consider is it lacks sincerity. It doesn't actually come from the heart, and a, a really tra- really great performer. They connect with this because there's this sense of coming from the heart. There's a great sincerity that comes through in what they do. And if we look at the whether it's the the spirituality of of gospel Christianity or whether it's the spirit spirituality of Zen and, and Buddhist Dharma, um, sincerity is at the core of that. And if we look into what sincerity is. It's the willingness to go. It's the willingness to see the vulnerability in ourselves and the vulnerability in other people. It's the willingness to just go to the raw experience of what it is to be a human being, to be you, to be not just to be a human being, but you or me as a human being. It's like to um, to look in the mirror of that. And just see exactly as what it, as what is there, not what you want to be there, what ought to be there. And even in Zen, um, you know, the sincerity arises out of the practice. And then, if we, there's ways in which, like with the music, the rawness becomes polished. You know, there's a there's a potential of practicing Zen over the years, and then you get an idea of what you ought to be. Or what you should be, mm-hmm. and you've lost touch with the rawness that was originally there. Each time we have to come back to the vulnerability and to the rawness, which is there, the truth of, of what is just as our experience, moment to moment. And sometimes it's pleasurable, and sometimes it's painful. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we can feel a strength. Sometimes we can feel a great vulnerability, love. Anger, it's all there, mixed up in being a human being. And so to end on a somewhat of a, a Christian theme, seeing we've just gone through Easter, I was having a um, a talk with a, a friend of mine this morning who comes from more of a um, interfaith but Christian background, and she reminded me of a biblical story that I now vaguely remember, but it was really not on my radar. Um, and that is where, in the resurrection, when Jesus comes back to be with his disciples, uh, Thomas can't re- really believe that it's him, that this is Jesus and that he's come back. And what Jesus invites Thomas to do is to stick his finger in the wound, the wound where the nails went through his palms. Stick your finger in it to recognise that it's real, to validate that it's real. It's not just something that is an illusion or made up. And my friend was telling me this is a, a metaphor that's often used in Christian spirituality. Is stick your finger in the wound to see that it's actually real. And um, that's a great metaphor for coming back to the rawness of our lives. And, and it's out of that rawness that that sincerity emerges. And in a sense, sincerity is, is, um, is all um, in Zen practice. It's be, to be true to life and to, to be true 
to what your own experience is, not what you think it ought to be.